Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. Jeremiah 29, 29, 11, I'm going to read. Uh, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and go and pray with me and I will listen to you. (coughs) And you will seek me and find me when you search with me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I will cause you to be carried away captive Uh, we are created in the likeness and image of God I'm sure if you've been in church for any length of time that's no rocket science we are created in the likeness and image of God before we were born we were already with God we we are not an afterthought you are not a mistake any of you ever feel this I, I did just because of my own issues I felt adopted Jenny's ever feel adopted? Jenny's, hands up again. That's strange that there's so many. No, and I'm like, I feel adopted. No, and I felt adopted because my first photograph, I was five. And I seen one of my sister when she was two. Uh, and I'm like, I'm adopted. I felt, I felt adopted. I was convinced I was adopted. And uh, that's kind of just... Because I was an afterthought or something. <laughs> I was some sort of mistake or some sort of. You know, you know that? You ever felt that? You know, you ever. No, you know, you're an afterthought or you're a, mis- you're a mistake or you're surplus or. No. You were a wee accident. Yeah. <laughs> a wee accident. How can you be an accident? After men's lap, was, it was an accident. I said, shut up. Be a man. Yeah. Seriously, be a man. Yeah. Tell me it's an accident. Tell me it's an accident. You're a man. You're a man. Grow up. Be a man. Take responsibility. I mean, it was an accident. She was being careful. Be a man. Men of God don't behave like that. Sorry, I got to say it. Men of God don't behave like that. Men of God take responsibility. Men take responsibility. Oh, well, it was an accident. An accident? How? What happened? Did an airplane crash? (laughs) Did an airplane? Seriously? How do you think babies are flipping born? <laughs> it's a wee accident, so I felt like a wee accident. <laughs> Here's the thing you're not an afterthought. Yeah. No human being is an afterthought to God. Yeah. Regardless of your background, your circumstances, what's happened to you, you are not an afterthought. Yeah. No matter what, you're not an afterthought to God. You, you, were, you were the apple of God's eye before your parents or your mother gave birth, wherever they, whoever that is. You were not an afterthought to God, ever. You're not an afterthought. You were, you were created in the likeness and image of God. That was it. That's you. That was who you were from the beginning of time. It was not. No, if you were, but I was born in 1970. Right, I know it's the beginning of 70 as well. Uh, I know it's scary, isn't it? I'm glad I was born with a number with a zero because it's dead easy to count my birthday. <laughs> Jenny's got that going on. 
See Andy Lott, brother. Amen, brother. I mean, I mean, I'm glad my, you know, it's dead easy. So, you know, you laugh. I'm 47. Uh, 47. It's scary, isn't it? 47. 47, and I've sometimes got the mind of a seven-year-old. Just, just, because I sometimes still have that thought. I'm adopted. <laughs> Uh, so you, you, you're already with God and in God. We are known after for we are in the mind of God from the beginning of time. From the very beginning of time, God is omniscient. He's all-knowing, all-present, all the time. You, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of everything, you already were. You just weren't born yet. And you are born for such a time as this, which I think is amazing, really. That that means that God must have something amazing for us for the now. Uh, We were then in a certain time, time through a vessel propelled into this world. Okay, it's no rocket science again. Then, this is where it gets complex. We were entrusted onto people. We had... Our birth, it was our last day of freedom, hopefully no forever. For some people it's forever. It was, we were in God's mind, we were in God's idea, we were always in God's plans. And then we were born with gifts and talents and calls and purposes and anointings. And as from way back at the beginning... When God created, God didn't create you and went, oh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with him. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? God, God did not create you and then go, oh, I wonder. Oh. Um, no, it's not like Ikea where you end up with two extra screws. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh, uh, or if you're anything like me, I build everything with a hammer. It's no matter what it is. I'm a roofer, so we just use a hammer for everything. Everywhere, everything we do is get a hammer mark. You know what I mean? Uh, so... It wasn't God created us in his likeness and image and then thought, oh, I'm not too sure. We'll need, to, we'll need to wait and see. Oh, we'll need to wait and see what they turn out like before I decide what my plan is for them. Yeah. It sounds crazy, isn't it? Yeah. To even think that God would be like that. Yeah. Oh, like he would make mountains and then go like, oh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Wondering. Mountains and rivers and lakes and animals and I'm not sure about midges. <laughs> oh, can I wait? I'm, that's one of my questions in heaven. What were they about? <laughs> were they just to uh, annoy the life out of us? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and so God had a plan for your life, a call, a purpose, yeah. an anointing, yeah. a specific purpose for your life. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't tell us what it is. Because he knows the plans he has for us, says the Lord. But I'm not telling you. Yeah. Don't you think that's a bummer? Yeah. Don't you think it's a bummer that God knows what you've called to do, but yet he's not telling you yet? Yeah. I want to know. Yeah. Oh, uh. And uh, I've helped and guided people and spoke to people and pastored people now for a few years. And people say, I'm not too sure what I meant to be doing. And, and I think, that's all right. Thank, thank, thank God 
for me, thank God we're not a church that's going to help you find what you do before you find who you are. Because when you find what you're meant to do before you find who you are, you will find when you eventually, if you ever do, you might never find who you are if you only ever pursue what you want to do. You might never find it. Never find it. So if we can pursue who we are, then it's a, you're on a collision course with your destiny anyway. Yeah. Uh, and God's entrusted in his any people from birth, all different types of people. And here's where the gap starts. I was speaking to Carolyn the other day, and usually my messages, my thoughts, sometimes they come from just driving by and seeing something or reading some, but mostly, I would say, maybe 60%, they come through having conversations with people. They come through having a chat with people. And uh, I was having a chat with Carolyn, and I know Carolyn's life, I know her journey. Uh, I don't know her future, but I know her journey up to the day. And I know how talented and how gifted she is. But I also know, uh, because we're an autobiographical church, I also know her struggles and her battles and her challenges. but I says to her the other day, and we were sitting having a coffee, and I says to her, I says, there's an amazing thing when, when you don't allow the mess in the middle to affect your call. Yeah. This is the message title. The message title is uh, Meddling with the Middle. Uh, and there's an amazing thing when, I'm not too sure about the skyscraper thing, but hey, it's cool. Uh, I says to Carolyn, there is an amazing thing when your your call, your creation, and then your gift stops being messed with, and you just sing, or you just worship, or you just lead people, or you just serve people. I says it is so powerful, and it's so strong, and it's so anointed. and God's word says that the, the, the calls and the gifts are irrevocable. They are without repentance. Yeah. Meaning that God is not going to give you a gift in your life way back and then decide to remove it for you because you behaved bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's religion. Yeah. religion. Religion says that because of your naughty or because of this, then God's going to remove the gifts that he's placed in your life. And I was saying to Carolyn, there's an amazing thing when you've got your life, your creation, and then your call, mm-hmm. and there's no mess in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing in the middle, and it just connects together. Yeah. And the enemy's job, I believe, is to create the mess in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Because humans then attach themselves to the process. Yeah. Uh, of where, from where we were born to, to what we are going to achieve and what we are going to do in life. So before you were born, you were just a spirit. You, you, you were not a human. Uh, God formed you and put a purpose in you then for the next 10, 15, 20, sometimes people never leave it, entrusted you toward, to people. Yeah. Those people then were responsible good, bad, and indifferent for forming beliefs yeah. and values yeah. in your life. Yeah. Yeah. 
Some good, some not so good. Some aware of it not being so good. Some aware of it being good. Um, that gap is the gap that when it's filled, we walk in our anointing. Yeah. Uh, the gap is where most people get lost. Yeah. The gap between birth and your calling. No, you were not called to be a baby. Yeah. Nor, if you were a singer, could you sing like Pavarotti at two months old. Yeah. ASB nearly could, Andrew and Johansson, because he's 12 weeks old, and I'm convinced he's close to getting starting work. <laughs> Seriously, he's enormous. He can stand. He could stand at 10 weeks, hold a bottle at 12. No, a bottle of milk. <laughs> I'm convinced by 14 weeks he's close to getting fitted for his working jacket. Uh, uh, the problem is, is, is that when we are born and then towards our calling, the gap towards your creation and your purpose does not, does not day by day get closer. Yeah. It gets further away. Yeah. It doesn't get closer at all. Uh, hence the message, meddling with the middle. Yeah. God is not surprised. Let me say this. God is not the least bit surprised that people messed with your middle. Yeah. If he is omniscient and all-knowing, yeah. then he's not shocked yeah. at what's happened to you. Or why you've ended up where you've ended up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that gap, let me say this, and that gap uh, that needs to be closed is where is where humans job was to equip you really yeah. for that purpose. Yeah. <clears throat> Rarely does that happen. Yeah. If ever. Rarely does that happen. Uh, because the enemy is hell-bent on those two things never coming into contact. Wow. Yeah. He could not care less whether you come to church. Yeah. It's irrelevant to him. Yeah. It's irrelevant. That's why people come to church every Sunday but never make a difference in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. They still gossip. Yeah. They never... They, they come to church every single week. Never lead them to Jesus. Yeah. Ever. Come to church every week and I've never led them to Jesus. In fact, leave early when the salvation calls, you know, because they've got some on. Because somebody getting saved doesn't mean anything to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody getting saved at the end of the service is irrelevant to them. Because they've gone for lunch. God, the enemy couldn't care less whether they come to church or not. In fact, in fact, party has meddling really, and his manipulation is to manipulate people to believe that it's that, that doing that. See, see if, if, the, if the enemy can get you to believe that you're already saved. <laughs> Seriously. If he can get you to believe that you're already saved, yeah. then there would be no need for any response. Wow. Yeah. Many, many Christians are in church and they're not saved. Yeah. I question their salvation. I question anybody's salvation if they don't give. Seriously. I'm not talking about people with problems. I'm not talking about financial. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking in a period of time. You yeah. know what I mean? You go to question that. I question. I'm not questioning their heart. I'm questioning. I go, you go to question that. You go to question that. Because the enemy, the enemy would, does not have a problem you being in church. Yeah. 
Not, not a problem. As long as you don't bump into your destiny. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you never, as long as you're not on a collision course with what you were created for. Yeah. Yeah, then being in church really doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, because the minute they two came into contact, yeah. the minute that Carolyn's birth and purpose joins, yeah. it's like heaven and earth. Yeah. <laughs> the enemy is totally, totally, totally irrelevant, awesome. weakened, wow. no power whatsoever. He's only got power in the gap. Wow. <laughs> He's not got any power when the gap's filled. Uh, because then you're knowing the bullseye of God's will. Yeah. Uh, and the enemy's totally in a mission trip to stop that. Yeah. And he'll use any means necessary. Yeah. He'll use people, he'll use religion, he'll use the church, <laughs> he'll, use, he'll use anything. Uh, and it's not our job, let me just say, it's not our job to decide. I don't believe it's not our job. I, I don't believe in prophesying people's futures. No, I, I, I'm not saying I'm against prophecy. You hear me here? But we start prophesying people's career move. Uh, because what ends up happening, uh, it can be dangerous because what happens is, is people, start, people start forgetting about growth yeah. and go on a never-ending mission trip to become the world's best singer. Yeah. And they can't sing. Yeah. No, give you the X factor. Mm-hmm. You know, when the parents are there. I, 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 no, the parents are there watching. No, and then they maybe say to Simon Cole, uh, I've had five singing lessons. And he says, ask for a refund. <laughs> He's right. Yeah. Why don't you ask for a refund? Because you can't sing. Mm-hmm. No, and we say that about God. But God, God can make it happen. Yeah. God, God can make it happen. God can, God can do that. I've never seen God being able to make a bad singer a good... Because the reason God could make a bad singer a good singer, but there'd be no point. Mm-hmm. It's not that God couldn't make a bad singer a good singer. What would be the flipping point? Yeah. Yeah. What would be the point of making a bad singer a good singer? Yeah. No. If you're a bad singer and you want to be a good singer, you don't want to be a good singer for God. Okay. I'll say that again. See, if you're a bad singer and you want to be a good singer, it's no one to God. Yeah. You're not trying to be a good singer to give God glory. You're trying to be a good singer because you want to be liked or loved or you just whatever. Oh. <laughs> if you're a bad preacher, and you, I'm not a bad preacher. I want to be a good preacher. You're not trying to be a good preacher for God. Uh, and as long as the two are the join, the devil knows he will always be in charge. John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to rob, to steal and destroy. But I have come to give you a full life. God has a different plan with that meddling. And this is where I want to go this morning. Uh, Because God's no surprised with the enemy tactic. Uh, At the end of the day, God is the author and finisher of your faith. God is no shocked with your bad choice or your mistake. Ever. Like, oh, can I believe that? Don't know what I'm going to do now. No, no. It's, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Uh, he knows the plans. He also knows, and because God knows your plans, and He also is the creator of everything, He also knows the enemy's plans, yeah. and He knows the enemy's game and strategies and ways. He's no surprised or shocked by how he uses man and things to lead you astray. Yeah. It was no the devil who wrote, the enemy comes to rob, steal and destroy. Wasn't it the devil that wrote that? It was Jesus. Because yeah. he knows. Yeah. Uh, 
Before I go back into the scripture and just open this up to the thought that I want to land, uh, this is what it says in Romans eleven twenty eight. I'm not going to put it up. It just says, concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Wow. Crazy thought, yeah. There are enemies for your sake. Just bear that thought in mind. Let's get back to verse 14 of Jeremiah. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from the places where I have... What does that say? Whoa, 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 that must be a mistake. Put that back. That has to be a mistake. Surely God... No, hold on, let me read that. Is that a spelling mistake? I will be found by you, says the Lord, and bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from the nations and from the places where... Oh, no, it's no mistake. I will gather you from the places where I have... Can you believe that? God has driven you to captivity. Are you kidding? What kind of God would lead you to a nightmare? Oh, listen, here we're not talking about we're not talking about we're not talking about sinning. We're not talking. About, understand here, we're getting caught up in that stuff, right? Where I have driven you, says the Lord. What you're going to you're going to lead me somewhere. You're going to drive me into a problem. To lead me out of a problem? Yes. I'm going to drive you a problem. It'll lead you a problem. Have you ever cried, God, why am I in this problem? God's like, I'll take you there. He doesn't tell you that at the time, does he? Isn't it amazing when you're in a problem? He doesn't tell you at the time. Can you not just tell me the new why I'm having this nightmare? Could you not explain to me the now why those enemies are so against me? Why this opposition is so against me? Why this person is so against me? Why this boss is so against me? Why this is so against me? Uh, I will gather you from the nations. The word nations, I'll maybe mention that at the end because it doesn't mean what you think. Uh, And from the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. The places where I have driven you. And I will bring you back to the place from which you, which I cause you to be carried away. So, hear me here. God is saying, I knew you would be in captivity. Of course he knew you'd be in captivity. He, he, he knew who he was entrusting to you. Don't be shocked. Don't, don't be surprised. that you know, I was born into a family that was heathens. Or I was born into a family of non-believers. I was born into a family where nobody went to church. I was born into an alcoholic home. I was born into this. I was born into that. I was born into that. It's not as if God didn't know that. Yeah. It's not as if God's like, I'm shocked. Now, before Adam bought the apple, mm-hmm. that flipping apple, <laughs> that would have been a different, that would have been a different gig. Yeah. Okay? But I know the plans I have for you in captivity. He was in it. We're reading for the scripture before. I know the plans I have for you not to harm you. Yeah. Let me tell you something. When I'm in captivity, I'm convinced I'm being harmed. Yeah. There's a whole different level of harm going on here. Yeah. Uh, let me just fire this out just in case because it, it can hijack it. We're not saying that terrible things that happen to you are God. Yeah. Okay, just to let you know that. We're not saying that. Uh, I know the plans I have for you in captivity was in the plan. It was the plan. It was the plan. And then I'm going to walk you out of it. Why take us into something to walk us out yet? 
Uh, and I'm going to walk you back out here. And then we're going to stop and have a chat. About where it started. That's what he's saying. I'm going to... You're born and trusted the people, led to captivity, walked out of captivity. Then when I walk out of captivity, we're going to have a sailor moment every single time at the place where it started. No one-off thing. I can get in and out of captivity a million times. Captivity is not a one-off thing. We can get into captivity by anything. Anytime you lose your peace and look for a solution, Mm -hmm. outside God, you're walking to captivity. Seriously, anytime that you look for healing, for a feeling out with Jesus, you are you are walking into captivity, and then God seriously. It says it says in the scripture upstream. That's not a few verses before it. It says, "You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart." See, when we cry, sometimes we cry out for help in a prayer because we just want to go to trouble. Yeah. I remember I used to pray. You all know heard a guy called John Jameson. John Jameson was a guy that I got into a fight with when I was in high school. And then it was I'll, me and you, square go at home time. Right, so I'm like, no problem. Except throughout the day, everybody told me that John Jameson was Rambo. <laughs> and he could go to town. And I can remember praying for John Jameson's mum to take no well. <laughs> so that he would need to go home. So that I would need to fight him. You ever do that kind of prayer? Get me out of this, God. Get me out of this. They're no heartfelt prayers. They're no rescue me from captivity prayers. They're rescue me. They're rescue me from pain prayers. It's not the same thing. Okay, so. uh, So God's like, I'm leading you into captivity. I'm leading you into captivity. Then I'm going to rescue you and lead you back out. And then I'm going to pinpoint exactly what started it exactly the cause and effect of this what's going to be so helpful to your purpose because it's all about your purpose because if you don't know why you ended up where you ended up guess what you'll keep ending up where you ended up you ever made me on one mistake it's because you never learned and then you went back out it you went back out it but you never really got to the root what started it? Yeah. There was maybe need or approval or the need of acceptance or, or, or usually, usually, nearly always, it was trusting a human before you trusted God. Yeah. Uh, and then he leads us back out. You see, the meddling in the middle was the devil's plan to mess with you, but it was God's plan to equip you. Yeah. How else can he join your call with your creation? How, how else can he join that? How can he join what you're called to do yeah. to how you were created yeah. Yeah. without going through that? Oh. Yeah. Without going through that refining fire or equipment, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, Genesis 50, 20 says this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good yeah. to accomplish what has now been done, the saving of many lives. God drove us to the wilderness God drove us to captivity. Question, why? If God knew he was going to bring you out of captivity, why take you in? If God knew that relationship was going to be a disaster, why allow it? 
If God knew he was going to bring the people out of Egypt, why allow them to go in the first place? I mean, for heaven's sake. Why allow them to be captive to Pharaoh if he knew he was going to lead them out? If Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus, why let him die? (laughs) You get what I'm saying? And I believe this. You were... If we were never pulled out of things and away from things, we would never ever become truly grateful. You would never know what it is to be grateful. Uh, Them who have been forgiven much, love much. If you were never lost, then you would never know what found feels like. If you were never excluded, you would never know how blessed you feel when you're included. If you were never rejected, you would never know what it felt to be truly accepted. I remember speaking to a young guy a a while ago who said he he felt, I think he was at the service and he felt he had the same offer. I said said this something less, I can't remember exactly. If you've never been through anything, and I mean, I've never been through anything. No, bless you, but you can't help me. Yeah. If you've never been through anything, then good on you, bless you, but you're no any, you cannot help me. Uh, and then the young guy approached me at the end and he said that he felt he had the same he offer, even though he said he'd never been through anything in his life because he was raised in church all his life. Yeah. I didn't even bother arguing with him. Because I knew his answer and his opinion was no born out of compassion but an arrogance in himself. I knew it was born out of an arrogance in himself. I knew he was going to have to go through many, many trials before he would ever, ever be equipped for his purpose. And I remember thinking, I hope he doesn't do what loads of inherited Christians do. Inherited Christians, I'm talking about you know, you know they're the bugbear of my life, you know. Yeah. These people have been brought up in church all their life, but but they'll know they've no any freedom. Yeah. The reason that the bugbear of my life, just to let you know, the reason they're bugbear because they're the greatest hindrance to people's they're the greatest hindrance to the unsaved. Yeah. The unsaved are not the greatest hindrance to the unsaved. The saved and unfound are the greatest hindrance to the unsaved. The the, the, the churched and unredeemed, the the Christian attender without the Christian who has got freedom is the greatest hindrance, greatest hindrance to people's life. And I'll tell you why, because they would never, ever think that salvation was that important. They say things like, they they, they believe in God. Well, that's, that's, that's not enough. That's not enough. That's not enough. And what happens is with this stuff and uh, is this young guy saying, I hope he doesn't do what millions and millions of so-called churchgoers do is that they create a fake world so that they never need to admit they've ever been in captivity. So they never need to admit they've been captive to anything. Uh, and the people, God, see, the people God can't bring out of captivity is the people who deny they are ever in it. Oh, yeah. See, the people that God can't bring out of captivity is the people that never have any problems. Yeah. 
Because if you've never had a problem, they're not to be rescued from. Yeah. No. The people God can't bring you to captivity is the people who deny they're in it. Or refuse to get really honest during trials. When we cry out to God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind, when we are going through trials, he listens and he, he starts that journey from captivity back to the origin of what caused the problem. Uh, so many people stay locked in a prison called captivity because they either refuse or they're too arrogant or prideful to admit they are in prison. So many people never fully find their true calling because they refuse to allow anybody to mess with their middle. They refuse to allow anybody to mess with the process. They are, they are unteachable. They, are, they refuse to be vulnerable. Uh, they don't go to town on their nurtured life. They... They're believing. They, they have no doubt with the voices that led them to captivity. Yeah. The, the word nations in this scripture, and, and a lot of the times, especially in the Old Testament, when it talks about nations, because everything's heart geography, isn't it? Yeah. In the Bible, everything's heart geography, so it's not just geographical. It's geographical and how it works in our belief systems yeah. and our heart. When God talks about a lot about stuff in the Bible, he's talking about the heart. He's no, when he's talking about Israel, he's sometimes talking about the heart. He's, talking, he's not necessarily, he is talking geographical, but it's also, it's also metaphorical for what's going on inside people. And he says, well, I'm going to lead you and I'm going to deliver you. If you put that scripture, I'm going to deliver you from nations. What he's actually saying is, I'm going to deliver you from all the voices. Yeah. See, nations is another word for voices. I'm going to deliver you from the influence and the people who spoke into your life that built that belief system into your life. Uh, so they don't go to town and they're nurtured believing. It says it there. I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from the nations. I'm going to gather you and lead you to a place back to freedom that's away from all the voices that created the whole process of taking you to the problem in the first place. Uh, I remember I was in Africa and I was... Uh, every day we worked and we were we were staying in the copper belt of Africa and the whole place was orange, basically. Everything, the ground was orange. It was because it was a copper mine. And uh, me and one of the guys who was there, we worked together in the plaster and goat sheds and all the stuff that we'd done. And I remember uh, each day after our day's work, there were a real water shortage it was just before the rainy season started and there was a real water shortage. And we get a bucket of water between us. One bucket of water between us. Like, just a normal-sized bucket, five litres of water. And each day we took turns each of who got it first. This is how we done it. So we're filthy. And the bucket would be up and then we would put a wee bit on us and then we'd have another bucket below that was catching. Because there was only one bucket between two. Seriously. So... Each day, one of you has got the clean. And I'm saying clean, even the clean wasn't that clean, right? But, but it was better than, it was better than his dirty in the bucket and then me washing with his dirty in the bucket. And each day we'd done it different. And at the end of our trip, we, we went into Lasaka and next to Lis no, there we went in this trek and, or this journey and it took us to a kind of safari. 
wasn't like the Serengeti, but it was a, we went to a safari and like a, a lodge. Amazing it was. Uh, and I, I suppose it wasn't the ultra luxury, but honestly, <laughs> I will never, the shower, so three weeks, no clean water, just none. It's only three weeks. Oh, you think, you know, we're westernised, that's, <laughs> people love that every day, but three weeks in non-clean water, I remember the shower being on, and I just didn't want to leave. <sighs> it was like, you remember that advert years ago, Zest, yeah. with the soap? Yeah. I used to think when you put that Zest on it, I used to think that when you put Zest on, did it give you energy? Do you remember that advert? There was a shampoo advert and the person would be in the shower and they'd wash with Zest and they would get into the shower kind of sleep and then they would put Zest soap on and all of a sudden they could then go and run the marathon and I thought, I need to get that soap. Yeah. I, actually thought, I actually thought that soap yeah. was like a drug that gave you energy. Yeah. If any of you are born before 19... later than 1990, you'll not even know what I'm talking about. Uh, and I would have never felt so blessed to have that shower had I never experienced washing in dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so many believers, I believe, are put through the ringer. But they still refuse to admit they need a wash. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They're put through the ringer, but they still refuse to admit they need a wash. Yeah. They don't think they're anything they need wash for. And because they don't think they're anything they need wash for, they never leave captivity. Yeah. Fear. Pride, ego, maybe even unawareness. The Israelites who went back to captivity are the ones who convinced themselves that it wasn't captivity after all. (laughs) They actually convinced themselves it was just a good hard day's work. No, 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 no. No, Pharaoh was a tyrant. Pharaoh was a dictator. These were slaves. But you convinced yourself that Pharaoh wasn't that bad. Because you you convinced yourself that Pharaoh wasn't that bad and convinced yourself that you were never in captivity anyway. It was a good, solid life. Their fear, their fear of vulnerability. If you have a fear of vulnerability, seriously, you will never, ever, ever, I will guarantee it in the name of Jesus, you will never find your purpose. You will never, ever, ever bump into your call in life. You will never live out your call. If you have a fear of vulnerability, it will never, ever happen. Ever happen. Ever happen. Because you will never, you will never be led in a journey out of captivity. God will never lead people in a journey out of captivity who don't want to be found. Before you were ever in church or before you even thought about church, you were not interested in being found. And God's all right with that. He's not going to come chasing you. God did not chase the prodigal. The father did not chase the prodigal when he decided to go and spend his money and well living. He was just open for him when he came back. Yeah. Uh, and without that vulnerability, without knowing that you've ever had a problem, I'm all right if you just knew me and I'm okay. Like that young guy I spoke to. I mean, I've never been through anything. I you're not going to do anything. Yeah. I, will, I will guarantee it. I will guarantee it. Seriously, this is how I did it. This is, this is not even me. This is God's word. I will guarantee it. Unless that young guy has a meltdown and a bit of vulnerability and a bit of humility, he will never, ever, ever 
fulfill his purpose with God. Yeah. Never. Never. He might think he is. He might think he is. He might think he is. It'll never happen. So many Christians, you see, you know, you're not, oh, but I'm just serving, just my own wee thing, just making up the numbers. You didn't make up the flipping. No, you were born to make up the numbers. Wow. And they turn captivity into a choice. Captivity. When you turn captivity into a choice, then you don't learn anything through your problems. You don't learn anything. Yeah. You know, it's just, I hear people saying this and all, I know this is not really where I'm meant to be, but God's not asked me to go anywhere else. Uh. I, I sometimes think, grow up. Yeah. That's what I think they're saying, grow up. Yeah. Grow up. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. You know it's no working, you know you're no growing, you know it's no helping you, but God's not asked you to move. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's just something that you, seriously. Are you kidding me? Yeah. What I hear is, it's safer to hide there. It's safer to hide there than to be challenged. It's safer to hide there than to be challenged. It's safer. It's safer to hide there. I mean, it's not really what I meant. You know, I'm not really getting a lot out of it. I hear people doing this in church all the time. It's not really getting a lot out of it, but what can you do? You know, I've always went. Stop going. Go where you can get led out of captivity. Go where you can deal with your problems. Go where you can deal with your mind. Go where you can deal with your... With, with your fears. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to come up, Fraser? See, our, our, our trials were never, never meant to contain us. They were meant to equip us. Yeah. They were never meant to, us to find a solution on our own through them. They were, meant as, they were meant for us to walk with God back through the process. Uh, God said to Jeremiah, when you seek me, you will find me and I will rescue you from the places I have driven you. I've seen people, you know, I'm just going to mention this, Rachel in the second row, I am so glad that you found this church. Because I know you've been in church all your life and I make no bone about it, I know you've been in church all your life. But you'll never find your purpose attending church. Never find your purpose attending church if you never deal with the demons that contain you. And you are on a collision course with your destiny. You are on a collision course with your destiny. Because even though you were churched, you came to a realisation and a revelation that you were in captivity. Even though you were in church. And because you come to that revelation, God is walking you step by step, inch by inch, to freedom. You see, you see, the devil's got a very high opinion of you. Even if you've not got a high opinion of you, the devil has got such a high opinion of you because uh, he's terrified that you, your creation and your calling would collide. Uh, and he tries to bully you. He tries to bully you and lie to you and religion you. It's not a word, but it's 
bad grammar, good preaching. Uh, he tries to religion you. Uh, so that you will never feel courageous enough to admit you've got a problem. Religion would never afford you to say you've got a problem. Religion criticizes problems. Religion criticizes failure. Religion criticizes falling short of the mark. Religion religion knocks down. Listen, if you keep on getting knocked down every time you've done something wrong, why would you ever admit it? Because now you're not actually trying to live in freedom. You're just frightened of making a mistake. Frightened of making a mistake is still living in captivity. Frightened of making a mistake is not any more free, regardless of whether you put your hand up in worship and give your life to Jesus or not. You're not any more free. Uh, And the devil tries to bully you and and lie to you so you won't feel courageous enough to stand up and actually walk out of containment and walk out of captivity which is the whole point of the scripture. Can the rest of the man come up? As we start to walk back out of captivity, because we know we've got a problem, and every time you're in captivity, it would be, you know, like, it's not just a one time. It's every single time that you're frightened or contained. Every time a boss is bullying you, but you're, no, you're frightened to stick up for yourself. And the reason you're frightened to stick up for yourself is because you've got financial insecurity. Hello? And you're frightened that you'll lose your job because you'll put up with anything as long as you get paid. You'll leave church in an instant if somebody draws you a dirty look because you don't get paid for that. Or, or a rejection or a problem. Uh, and if we could, whatever happens in your life on a daily basis, see if you can ever sell a moment and just go, you know what? No justifying, no blaming, no criticising. Justify blaming, criticising is to live in captivity with pain. Do you get what I mean? It's to continue to live in a prison which lacks freedom. Uh, and if we have whatever's in our life, whether it's been one, one off thing or it's continuing, if you, if you read God's word, it's constant where God's bringing people out of captivity. He's like, they're the right of captivity, they're back in it. They're the right. Why are they back in again? Because without it, you would not be able to do what God has called you to do. Thank God. Thank God for the religious people who do my boxing. Because they've helped me establish my call. Do you understand? Don't particularly want with them, but they've helped establish my call. Do you understand what I'm saying? Thank God for the critics. Because they've helped establish my purpose. Uh, And I don't know how else I've got it. I will bring you to the place where the gap and the meddling and the captivity started. You are not just created. You're called. Your problem is God's meddling (laughs) to equip you. See, the devil's nature is God's nurture. The 
devil has no power or God. Only what he gives him. The de- he's a prop. Seriously. We give him far too much credit. He's a flipping prop. He's no more than a prop to equip you. God's used him. He doesn't know he's a prop. That's the problem with the devil. He thinks he's better than what he is. The devil actually thinks he's better than what he is. He, the devil actually thinks he's God. I heard Jason Franklin saying this. You know how God's word seven, seven, seven. How many times you forgive people? Seven times, seven times, seven in a day. So God's number is seven. Seven times, seven times, seven. You know what the devil's number is? Six, six, six. You just can't quite make it, can you know? He's just desperate. He's like, ah, six, seven. Ah, oh, can't he? Six, seven, up. Six, seven, up. Doesn't matter what it is. You can't get to seven. Cannot get to seven. No matter what it is. Let me show you this. This is how this is how I see it, right? And and, and live stream won't see it, but you, you you'll get a taste of it anyway. Okay, that means why you need to come. Yeah. <laughs> this is how it works. So so we're born, and God takes us through captivity, right? God t- leads us. He says that He drove us into captivity. Drove us into captivity. So He drives us through people that opinion so we're away and now we're getting further lost and he drives us through he's driving us into cap we're getting further lost in people and in, in, in problems and dilemmas and situations it started way back there and he just keeps on leading us through problems we bump into insecurity and jealousy and pro- I don't know why I'm saying that here uh, <laughs> and he keeps on leading us through and he keeps on leading us through problems and dilemmas and we end up here Behind people, behind trouble, behind mess, behind containment and fear and insecurity and inadequacy and lostness. And then he leads us here and you go. And then when we cry out to God, which so many of us have, God, I'm, 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 I'm lost, I'm, 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 I'm suffering, I'm lonely, I'm frightened, I'm tired. I'm hurting, I'm in pain, I'm struggling, I feel inadequate, I feel rejected. All these people who are now in front of me are so much better than me. Everybody now here is, is now, I'm looking for acceptance from them, but none of them are looking at me because they're all facing the platform. <laughs> Some of you turn your head. Uh, they're all facing the platform. And, and, and you're here and then you cry out to God with all your heart. And God, and God says, right, let's walk you back. And he starts walking you back. And that person helped you. And that rejection helped you. And that failure helped you. And that loss helped you. And their unhappiness helped you. And them no liking you helped you. And them no, them no picking you helped you. And, them no, and then you get back to here and God's like, oh, did you learn some? I learned honours, I learned humility and I learned grace and I learned compassion and I learned mercy. And I learned love and I learned understanding. And I learned how to accept people. And I learned how to feel people's pain. And I learned when people are in problems, you shouldn't judge them. And I learned when people are dealing with stuff, it's better to support them and build them up. And I learned when people are sad, it's not because you don't like you, it's because you sung your own name. And we learn and we learn and God then leads you and he goes, well done, good and faithful servant. Now you're ready. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Hope United. You can stay connected with us through our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages.